We're back. We're back, Jordan. We're back. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's uh, Monday, January 31st, 2022. The last day of January. You're listening to the Mind Virus podcast. And baby, it's cold outside. We're, we're approaching Groundhog Day here. It's Groundhog Day. I'm just fiddling with these levels here. But yeah, Groundhog Day is just, what, three it's, days away? It's too bad that we... Uh, um, have already done the Groundhog Day episode. It would be perfect if we had been able to have the patience to wait until right now, but we couldn't. We had to do Groundhog Day. That's okay. The The episode still is still up. It hasn't been pulled down by Spotify or anybody else. So go listen to our Groundhog Day episode. This is number 38. It's finally Groundhog Day, August 31st, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> well, and today is uh, episode 60, right? I think so, yeah. I think so. Is that, that's probably some sort of landmark. I don't know. It's a, it's a record. It is episode 60. It is a Correct. record. Every episode we do is a record. It's a record landmark episode for us. So, so Groundhog Day is important. It's one of the eight feast days or sacred days of the ancient religious calendar. You had the equinoxes and solstices, and then what they call the cross quarters, that ancient religions tended to almost universally acknowledge these days because of their solar significance. And uh, very often the great God was associated with the sun, S-U-N, because the sun was obviously the brightest celestial object in the sky. So here we are right upon that. In, in the Celtic tradition, it was Imbolic, I believe, was the name of the feast. It would come up on Groundhog's Day. Groundhog Day. It's only there's only one groundhog. It's not multiple groundhogs, just the one groundhog. Yep. Groundhog Day. Groundhog. I think so. Right. Do you ever get into arguments with missionaries about whether to say Book of Mormons or Books of Mormon? Was that in one of those Mormon <laughs> movies? It's yeah. Books of Mormon. It might be. It's book, but the plural is books. Books. You have multiple books. The Book of the Mormons. That I've would heard, be yeah. an, I, We should write that book. I've heard that <laughs> term, the book, the book of the Mormons. <clears throat> well, what interesting things are we talking about today, Mr. Flood? <laughs> well, we were both just discussing that we both feel a little bit, uh, I, I don't know what the word is, but there's a lot of, like, we, the last thing I think we said before we started recording was we, as a society, is, we, we don't, we're just wading into the depths of absurdity and it's true it's like how absurd are we going to get 
Name, for, name an absurdity that we were, one of the things we were talking about, for those of you that love skewering the governor, there was an interesting episode this week. Well, see, the governor skewers himself. He does this to himself. <laughs> the, those of you that love watching the governor just... Governor of Utah, by the way, for our international audience. <laughs> The but governor he, of the great state of Utah. Well, before we get into the bigger issue with him, like he talking about absurdity, like let's remember that. Spen- What's the, the the bigger issue is not absurdity. The bigger issue is incompetence. Well, silliness, emperor's new clothesness. What is it? All of the above. All of the above. But let's let's give a little background. Let's remember that when he was when Spencer Cox was lieutenant governor, when when uh, the COVID crisis hit, you know, last, uh, well, March, 2020 was shortly after, well, at one point, I don't, I don't remember the timeline. I think it was that summer of 2020 when he compared masks to the brass serpent from the old Testament story of Moses lifting the staff and people can look to the staff and be healed from the snake bites. You, you know, you, you're probably familiar with that. And of course there's symbolism to that brass serpent. Well, he compared masks to the brass serpent, which I thought was absurd. He also, when he became governor, he kept the mask mandate in schools, uh, effectively keeping students and kids masked up longer than any other demographic in the state. Okay, so he's, I've called him a 33rd degree mask mason before. Yeah, he was big in this. Like, we're not, there's no doubt the guy was part of the Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes, slash Sanhedrin of the mask movement. Now, he's worn, uh, he last, got... as of last week, you all should have studied up on the Pharisees because remember, Jesus has been compared to, or we have been compared to Jesus rebelling against these people uh, when we are following the, the leadership, when we are conforming to these accepted narratives, such as wearing a mask, social distancing, and getting your vaccine. There are very important people in the Utah community or Idaho <laughs> community telling us that, that our, our conformist behavior is equivalent with Jesus rebelling against the scribes and the Pharisees. So I'm sure you did your homework since last week's episode of, uh, of the Mind Virus show as to who the Pharisees are. Maybe we should... Should we <laughs> spend any time on these people? Is it, is it a, is, are there possible modern analogs to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the scribes, to the... Well, yeah, of course there are. But maybe that's a discussion are there, are there, for another yeah, episode. Okay. Are there analogs to the Sanhedrin? Okay. Well, you know, and, and Spencer Cox got national heat for wearing a mask on a Zoom call, on a, you know, a remote interview. He wore a mask, which was absurd. That was also, the I think, the interview where he was in support of the Utah Jazz, uh, excluding white kids from their... From their scholarship scholarship fund. program, there was some uh, satirical commentary on that. I think lately that uh, what's the guy's name? Ryan, the owner of the Jazz. Yeah, his name Ryan, Ryan Smith. Something. Ryan Smith. He 
is he sad because they're not winning and can't give it's now gone the other direction <laughs> because their scholarship program, I think was based on some level of performance. And so now the underprivileged kids are even more underprivileged because they're not giving out those scholarships. Right. Well, and there's some, there's some sad irony to Cox's support. I mean, Spencer Cox, and we're going to get to more of this in a minute. Spencer Cox grew up in San Pete County and San Pete County is a county directly south of Utah County. It's a rural county. It's a farming and ranching and smack dab in the middle of Utah. Hunting, camping, touristy area. It's beautiful. I yes, love San Pete d- County. You didn't hear that wrong. There is a county in Utah named Utah County. Right. Right. That's because people that live in Utah <clears throat> County, perhaps even including the present company, I don't know. They have to be so obvious as to name the county Utah County. Yeah. What's the history on that? I don't know. I, I, I'll like, to, we're, we're, we can't think of any other county names, so let's call it Utah County. Yeah. Is it the last one named? <laughs> I don't know. It's funny that it's called that because all the other counties in Utah have names like based on some geography or, or you know, like we have Box Elder County, you have Sam Pete County. Daggett? You do have Salt Lake that County. Bo Daggett County? Which Salt Lake County is not real creative either. No. Summit County. Summit County, Wasatch County. We might as well have just said, (coughs) we're we're state the obvious county. Anyway, San Pete County's great. It's, it's, there's a lot of great mountains and good hunting and fishing and camping and recreation down there and a lot of farm, small farm and ranches. When, when Spencer Cox, Spencer Cox has said a lot of stupid things. One of the things he said was that when, Short, the Christmas after he was elected governor, so that lame duck period for Gary Herbert, right? So it was a few weeks before Cox was inaugurated. I thought the lame duck period for Gary Herbert was, was a lot well, longer than that. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, officially, right? The official lame duck period. Cox said that he, he, on that Christmas, he said he was overworked and underpaid as Utah's governor, <laughs> and he got some heat for that. When he was just barely, yeah, yeah, he got a he mug. Been, he got he a had, he he got he a, hadn't even been inaugurated. Got, I don't think so. If I'm remembering this right, he got a Christmas present from a family member that said, "Overworked, underpaid, but still gets bleep done." And in the picture, he crossed out the bleep word. Oh my! Gosh. And wrote stuff or something. It was the S H I T word. Can you say that without getting canceled? I say it. Can but, you spell that? I mean, I don't know. But sometimes it's sometimes it's the perfect word, especially if preceded by the word bull. Yeah, like when Spencer Cox tweeted about anything doing a cattle drive uh, during the days of Forty Seven Parade down in in downtown Salt Lake, and and I said, well, it's no surprise that you bring so much bull. To Salt Lake City. <laughs> I mean, the jokes write themselves with this guy. But he, he said he's overworked and underpaid. And then... Before uh, he was governor. Right. And then... Um, <clears throat> um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But he, uh, he kept kids in masks at the schools longer than any other demographic in the state, right? I thought you were say longer than any other Democrat in the state. Well, that too. <laughs> but he also, 
He styles himself as a Republican, he, he, by the way. Right. And he also put teachers at the front of the line for the vaccine. This was back when maybe we wondered if perhaps this vaccine will be safe and effective. So before vulnerable populations, before elderly, before anybody else, the teachers in Utah were the first to receive the vaccine after frontline workers who kind of had early access to it. <clears throat> so he's, he's been a mask zealot for a long time. He still is. He still wears them in certain situations where he thinks it will benefit him. Except that we reported here, that KSL had reported, that he said, quote, cloth masks have no effect. Yeah, but he still wears it when the photo, can't, you know, the photo ops are going to be there and he can be seen to be anyway, I think following what you, the science. I think what you were doing was establishing the long train of abuses, the long train of well, he, incompetences where he has claimed that masks work and had, has tried to force people to wear them. And he has claimed even gone so far as that uh, if you're wearing a mask, you're following Jesus or something. What was the, what was the statement there? That it was your sacred honor? I don't know. What, how, something like that. And, and, and then again, he's, he's comparative to the brass serpent, which is a oh, similitude, yeah, a symbolism Moses. of Jesus. Right. right. So the, the mask <clears throat> was the brass serpent. Right. Anyway, recently he's been retweeting. See, he retweets. It's always, you always know where he's getting his information from because he retweets these articles from The Atlantic, the magazine, not the ocean. Not the ocean. That's been or, an important sticking point for the listeners. Or the, the Washington Post or the New York Times or whatever. You can see that where he's getting his information or certain accounts. You know, he used to retweet Eric Fingelding, whatever. Fingelheimer? You know, he's the guy that, he's this famous. COVID We're not even going to link to him on the podcast here. And I called, I called out the governor on that. I said, what, this guy's a known fraud, and he's not retweeted him since. So I don't know if, that, oh, if I had maybe a... maybe somebody did listen. Maybe you have five I also called now. him out on his mask wearing after he was double, double vaxxed. I'm like, you're an anti-vaxxer because you have the vaccine. You have this safe and effective vaccine, yet you still wear the mask. And shortly mm -hmm. after that, he was like, we don't have to... We can act like we're vaccinated if we're vaccinated. Oh my gosh! Maybe but remember you're this is the this is the on I, Twitter. This is the same it's guy. A red letter day. This is the same guy who said he was tired of protecting the unvaccinated from something. But he has re recently been retweeting articles, and this is a, a kind of a double absurdity because these articles are being written by by the COVID cult, the people that have been pressing for that have been lockdowns wrong. and masks and vaccines and have been wrong about it. They keep getting proven wrong and they change the their governor, narrative. the governor's repeat, retweeting these articles about the harms of masking children. <laughs> okay. I wish you could see Bobby here. He's like freaking out visually. It's like when we pointed out that masks are, could be harmful for children, we were we were dismissed as anti-science. I don't think anyone listened when we pointed that out. And, and there was a lot of parents. <laughs> I mean, parents, there were parents that protested at... Yeah, they were all dismissed as crazies. district offices at Angela Dunn's home because she wasn't working at the office, so they went to her home. And I remember Gary Herbert was very oh, offended by that. And you came to our home. Angela Dunn acted like she was a, like 15 people out in front of her 
house was some sort of like insurrection against our democracy. <laughs> right. But the people who pointed this stuff out not very long ago were dismissed as zealots, as anti-science, as yeah. anti-teacher, as anti-kid. They were a death cult. And now that's flipped. That's starting to flip. Kids don't need masks. And we're starting to see some real harmful effects of, uh, especially in younger kids, in their speech development. Turns out learning how to talk is hard to do when the people teaching you are covered, and, faces are covered, yeah. and your face is covered. Yeah, it turns out that doesn't work. 300% increase in uh, speech therapist referrals now. Yeah, something like that. So that's some of the absurdity with our locals. <laughs> Everything's up. Everything's up. All the, all the diseases across all categories are up. The Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, roundtable, the COVID-19 second opinion. Did you see any of that? I saw little bits of highlights. Yeah, somebody sent me a 20-minute clip. was pretty good. And there, there are these, uh, all, all of the really, well, highly regarded by the sane people. Hey, there's the sane stream and the mainstream. Just invented <laughs> a new word there. The highly regarded by the sane stream they, uh, these doctors like Malone, McCullough, et cetera, were there with one senator. Why were there not more members of Congress involved in this? That's what I want to know. But they held, a, they held a roundtable where they went through a lot of the issues that are now pretty obvious to very little fanfare in the media. But one of the things that was brought up are these... Um, there, there were some attorneys there, human rights attorneys for members, high-ranking whistleblowers in the military that were suing the government, I assume. And they, they have pretty good stats in the military. They keep track of uh, some of these statistics pretty well. And they were just pointing out, you know, miscarriages are up like 300%. Uh, was it heart problems? 10 times uh they said across all categories all diseases that there were over 10 times more incidences of all diseases than there were over the running 5 year average prior to covid including 2020 which is before the vaccine so we're we're seeing what we've talked about here before on the podcast we've been expecting a wave of unrelated problems due to is it, uh, dare we say, the vaccine causing well, all this stuff? You, you have to ask yourself, what, what is the major variable? What changed? And that's From a, 2020 that's a to 2021. One. That's a big one. My, I have a theory. Maybe we can get into it. Again, I'm not, I am not a doctor, but I play one so what? on the Mind Virus <laughs> podcast. No, my, my theory... Well, some of these people are not doctors. That's the thing. These right. people that are supposed to be your doctor, they, it turns out they're not good doctors. No, they're just drug dealers. They're just drug dealers. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, but, you, like have, you, have you ever been to a doctor and felt like... I thought you were like, going to ask if I'd ever been to a drug dealer. <laughs> I've been to the pharmacy. <laughs> right. Um, no, I think, I think we... I know people who have had experiences with doctors where they felt like their care was not in their best interest. Well, let's remember one of the top, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but one of the top three or four causes of death in the U.S. is doctors mal, maltreatment or mistreatment. What do they call it? Malpractice. I'm, remem I'm remembering the scene in Spies Like Us. Is that the one where they're over in uh, some 
countryistan Kyrgyzstan, something weird over in the Middle East, uh, East in Asia, and uh, this is Chevy Chase, right? And he, I think it's Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. Do you remember Spies Like Us? Vaguely. It's an older movie. Oh, this is awesome because they, they're impersonating doctors and they walk into this tent full of all these international doctors and they're introducing themselves. Doctor, 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 doctor. Doctor Chevy Chase gets to the good-looking blonde uh, Swedish doctor. Doctor, <laughs> doctor, doctor, and then they make Dan Aykroyd do an appendix. Uh, or was it Chevy Chase has to do the uh, appendectomy? That's that's the term for an appendicitis gone wrong that you have to take out the appendix, right? That's a funny scene. I'll find that to link. We we need a little bit more humor here, right? This this week, but. Uh, Chevy Chase also... Uh, is your doctor Chevy Chase? That's he, the question. He impersonates a doctor in Fletch. You ever see Fletch? Oh, yeah. Fletch is a... Same kind of thing, right? He, he, uh, they're like, what's your name? And he kind of looks around and he's like, Dr. Rosen, Rosen, Rosen. Dr. And he has to assist with a surgery and he faints, but... yeah. Of course, he's in there as an investigative reporter. Back when we had those, that's and he uh, he's on a, a case, good point. right? When did they go away? <laughs> Sometime after the movie Fletch, they stopped <laughs> existing. They went away when the oligarchy, when the governments, when these mega corporations bought all the newspapers, bought them all, bought up. all the bought all the mainstream outlets. <clears throat> um. Well, anyway, we're talking about. Spencer Cox, do you have any more to say about that? Well, I, know the, I know the listeners love when you harpoon him, and and you're right, the jokes do write themselves. But I did I did want to point out that uh, we're performing a great service for you here on the Mind Virus Show because Bobby somehow has the the stamina and the um, hard headedness to go out and self loathing, self loathing to go out and listen and, and pay attention to these people so that you don't have to. Well, I don't want to have to either, but well, I don't know. I Nobody's didn't, forcing you. I'm I, not forcing you. I didn't do it until they started making my life worse. Like when they, when they started telling me that me going to visit my friends was immoral and illegal. Then you started to pay attention I, to them? I was like, wait a second. Because I, I had totally weaned myself off of social media and politics because it wasn't making me happy. happy or better. But they, they insisted that I start paying attention again when they started turning my life inside out. But Cox is so easy to skew. Like, He's terrible. Listen, I can understand and even respect somebody who has opinions and philosophies and, you know, name, a, name a, world, a worldview that they at least stick to. Name and they, somebody. They stand up for it and they stick to it, Name right? somebody that's doing that. Name somebody who's, who hasn't folded like a cheap suit to the pivot point that we talked about a couple of episodes. CNN doesn't count. No, I mean, there's not many of them. Is but, it Rachel Maddow who's still sticking with the Russian narrative? No, because is she the one standing strong? <laughs> no, the Russians, I, the Russians caused the the trucker, the Canadian convoy. Did you see that? Yeah, was, they're blaming was, the Canadian trucker convoy awesome. on the Russians. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can disagree with somebody, like, but at least I know where they stand on things, right? Or I can agree with someone, and, and at least I know where they stand. I don't know where Spencer Cox stands on anything. 
Because he doesn't know. He blows like a reed in the wind. He blows like a Mitt Romney in the Senate. Oh, Mitt Romney tested positive for COVID. He's thankful for the protection that the vaccine provided. Really? And our Lieutenant Governor, Deidre Hedrickson, tested positive for the virus. She's grateful for the vaccine, the protection the vaccine provided. Justin Trudeau, while he's hiding from those truckers, literally hiding, tested positive for the virus. He's thankful for the protection he's, that the vaccine provided. He's thankful for the vaccine that the protection racket provided. <laughs> right. He's thankful for that he can go and hide from his people. Yeah. By the way, on a more serious note, one of our friends of the podcast uh, has had a pretty serious bout with the coronavirus here. Now, my understanding is if you've had coronavirus and you get vaccinated, this is according to Dr. Malone, your chances of having a bad uh, reaction, a bad sickness are higher. So if you've had coronavirus, there's a really good reason to not get vaccinated. Right. But uh, one of our friends, uh, John, I believe is what he was styling himself as when we discussed music a long, long time ago, one time when you were out, uh, he, he hosted the podcast with me and he's had a pretty tough bout. Um, if uh, you're out there and you want to send a few prayers or thoughts his way, I'm, I'm sure he and his family would appreciate that. He's uh, getting better, but has had a pretty hard recovery. And I want to remind everybody, if you or anyone you know or love gets this and you know they're susceptible or have any maybe uh, complicating factors, you need to get on it right away, okay? You need to try and get the ivermectin right away. You need to amp up the vitamins. You need to talk to maybe these frontline doctors. There's a, there's a lot of doctors that are out there that you can you can find um, through the network of Dr. Malone or the frontline doctors. Or the uh, there, there's a lot of these COVID alliance type of doctors out there, and we linked to some of these and the er their early treatment protocols on episode number 57. That was pivot point. So I just want to bring that up again. Uh, try to get on it quick. This friend of ours, he's a tough bird and decided just to work through it, you know, and kept running and, and really got behind the eight ball, so to speak. And uh, so I, I think you need, to, you need to take the time and get better if, you, if, you, if you're feeling, I'm not saying just slightly sick, but if you start to feel it coming on, you know, use your discernment take some remedies, take, amp up your vitamin intake, do whatever you can, consult with the wise professionals, the people you deem wise, <laughs> consult with them, not just listening to what we're saying here, but try and, try and get ahead of it and do some things to get the rest and the, uh, the fluids and the air and the uh, medicines that you might need to get over it. Because it can be... Um, it can be pretty bad. But uh, John is going to get better. Saw him the other day. I think he's he's going to do okay. And uh, by the way, our friend Truman, who had had a pretty serious bout with it, he's fine. So some sometimes this can be a bad thing. Most of the people that I know that have been exposed or had it, it's just been nothing. It's been really not a problem. And by the way, I don't know what train of thought I introduced there, but uh, if you have kids or you know people who are thinking of vaccinating their kids, you need to think twice. Dr. Malone has been out talking about, talking about this um, recently 
uh, there's an article I'll link to here on Zero Hedge. Think twice before vaccinating your children. Dr. Robert Malone warns the parents of the COVID-19 shots. Here's the, here's the, a couple of quotes I want to read from this article. The question is, do you want to take th- that chance with your child? Because if you draw the short straw and your child was damaged, most of these things, if not all of them, are irreversible. There's no way to fix it. He says, you get, we get these emails all the time. Doctor, doctor, what can we do? This has happened. And once it's happened, there's no way you can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So taking the vaccine, if, you're, if you have kids, the vaccine for kids is really, a, a, it sounds like a really bad idea because according to the data that we now have after two years, there, w- there was a group of doctors that wrote an article called why are we vaccinating children against COVID-19? They said, for children, the chances of death from COVID-19 are negligible. But the chances of serious damage over their lifetime from the toxic inoculations are not negligible. Do you know what negligible means, Bobby? Yes. That's a statistical term. That's like a technical term. What does it mean? Uh, It means negligible means like almost nothing. In other words, a ne- quote unquote, this is from, this is from the uh, negligible probabilities engineering text. Negligible, a negligible function approaches zero so fast you can never catch up with it when multiplying by a polynomial. What in the heck is a polynomial? It's a multiple nomial. That's a racist term, isn't it? Isn't that why they've said math is racist? Because they have <laughs> terms like poly? <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay. know. Um, no, it means that it's pretty much zero. That's what negligible means, or it goes to zero really fast. So they, they, they essentially said that, uh, and this is another quote, while deaths after COVID-19 vaccination are small in children, or sorry, nominalized data on COVID-19 deaths per capita are negligible in children, while deaths after COVID-19 vaccination are small but not negligible. So they're admitting that the the chances of death are even higher, not just injury. The chances of injury are actually quite high, but the chance of death is higher than actually getting COVID. So public service announcement here. (laughs) If you're thinking of vaccinating your children, think twice because we are involved in this massive experiment. There was another... Uh, You're going to get us a, a, a tag on Spotify. We're going to get a tag on Spotify here. Um, Maybe Neil Young will take his music from our podcast. Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, he's already gone. <laughs> Here's another one I found the Who? other day. Who? A, a team from MIT prepared an article to, to explain the preliminary results uncovered thus far in the clinical trials. <laughs> okay, this, this guy uh, writes that uh, there's been a global clinical trial underway and we're still awaiting the results from those experimental trials. And what he's talking about is the mass vaccination of everyone. (laughs) Even though the trial is commonly called a vaccine, it's actually a form of mRNA gene editing experimentation. A team from MIT has prepared an article to explain the preliminary results uncovered thus far in the clinical trials. Their article appears in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research, and it's titled, 
worse than the disease? (laughs) Reviewing some possible unintended consequences of the mRNA vaccines against COVID-19. They show just how unprecedented the administration of these gene therapies are, including these being the first time polyethylene glycol has been injected into subjects. You know what that is? Mm -mm. Plastic. Mm, Okay. Foam plastic. So if you have blood clots from the vaccine, it might be because you've injected a clotting agent into your blood. So this is the first time the uh, mRNA vaccine has been used to protect as against an infectious agent. It's the first time health authorities have told those receiving the injection to expect adverse reactions and the first vaccine to make no claims about reducing infection, transmission, or death from the underlying illness. The first injection of clinically modified polynucleotide, polynucleotides in the general population, and it's the first vaccine against a coronavirus attempted in humans. He goes on to say this article is very interesting and poses a number of questions. That's uh, MIT for you, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They're just a small state college, I think, maybe like a county college somewhere out in a podunk state called Massachusetts on the East Coast. You may or may not have heard, heard of them. But uh, the truth is starting to come out. And uh, are we really seeing the pivot or are people pretty resistant to admitting this? I mean, it sounds like Cox has just said, well, he's it's still, all, we've always been at war with East Asia. He's still... We've, we've always been masking or not masking. But he's still, he's still pushing restrictions and, and good behavior. And, and speaking of that, the Deseret News, another local paper, is quoting a doctor from Park City area who's, who's blaming our immoral behavior on the extension of the pandemic. He said that this could have all been over months ago were it not for our selfish behavior. This is a pandemic of, what did he say? Of Immorality. Immoral, immoral values or something like that. It's like, it's just so, it's so absurd. It's just so absurd. Is this the episode where we just throw our hands up in the air and say, if you could only see our faces. <laughs> well, I mean, if you like, a, if a you lot. like us are out there having these same thoughts, realize this is the, this is like the movie ants or bugs life when the ants are starting to wake up. That's what we're experiencing right now. The it's, Canadian, the Canadian trucker convoy. Let's talk about that. How well, many? It's, what was it? Seven truckers, according to the mainstream media, that caused the shutdown of the entire Ottawa city center and created a convoy like seventy kilometers long. You have to say kilometers if it's Canada, by the way. At one point, I think it was up to a hundred kilometers, which is about Ooh, seventy 100. miles, and thousands, if not millions, of people involved. To the point where certain provinces were making it, passing emergency laws to make it illegal to aid them, to like hand them water and food. And so a lot of people got involved and they were supporting them in different ways. They, they also raised, I guess, through GoFundMe about $10 million, which now- GoFundMe the, tried to take it. Well, the Ottawa City Council is now trying to take it, saying that we need this money to pay for damages to the city that they've caused, which what damages, no one can say, but- so yeah, people are after that money. GoFundMe has frozen the account. GoFundMe took the money, essentially. They've, they've made it unavailable. I thought they unfroze it for a little while. Was that just so they could get more people to 
Maybe they did. Donate. I'm not sure. Maybe GoFundMe wanted instead of five million, they wanted ten. I don't know. I haven't been able to follow that as closely. But GoFundMe is not your friend. Like if you're gonna do one of these things, don't don't use GoFundMe. Get use a different fundraiser. Right. So the, the, this is big news. This because the the there's imitation protests happening around the world where other truckers and other people are getting involved and doing the same type of thing. And these guys in Canada seem pretty determined. They're saying we're not leaving until Trudeau uh, that Trudeau resigns or lifts all these restrictions. And are Canada, they still there? Oh yeah, they Nobody, just, and the, they just and the, barely and the got media, to Ottawa. And the media is acting like uh, they they drove across the entire country, building up momentum as they went and 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 building up a crowd. It was kind of like when Forrest Gump goes running and. Everybody he, comes after him. Right. So they they just got to Ottawa, I think, a few days ago. And and Justin Trudeau, being the brave, accountable person he is, fled. Literally fled. Justin Trudeau, by the way, is the leader of He's the Prime Canada. Minister of Canada. Prime, Prime Minister of Canada. By the way, City Center is still shut down. So I'm looking at the live traffic feed. Uh, there are about, uh, yeah, a couple miles worth of road that are just... <laughs> Shut down, closed. He he literally ran away. He was whisked off to a secure location, where he then tested positive for COVID, and he's grateful for the protection the vaccine provides. Um, yeah, and, and so, well, the media is painting these truckers as anti-vax, and of course they're not. A lot of them are vaccinated. They're anti-tyranny. They're anti-authoritarianism. But who's really listening to the media anymore? That's that's the thing. We're listening to the media. Are you are you the listeners of the Mind Virus podcast out there listening to the mainstream media to see what they're saying? I mean, where do a do a little informal polling with your friends. This is okay. An assignment, listeners. I need all of you, all of you to post on the episode 60 comments the results of this poll. Are your friends and family still listening? Do they like ask them that as if they're as if they're crazy? Like, are you really still paying? Do you really believe what KSL is saying after they flip flopped so many times and and pulled all this garbage and they've been clearly proven wrong? Are you really believing Fox News? Are you really believing MSNBC or whatever when they hide the truth repeatedly and they keep changing their story? Ask them and see how many of your acquaintances take a little informal poll. We'll call it a scientific poll. Uh, the results that we aggregate, put it, post them in the comments. Let us know if people are actually listening. Cause that's one of the questions we've had throughout the last year. It's been over a year now that we've been doing this podcast It's like, who's really actually listening to this garbage. We know that Joe Rogan's got, uh, multiple, uh, an audience multiple size of like Rachel Maddow. Well, Rogan's estimated monthly listenership is 200 million. 200 million people check into the Rogan show on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And NBC Nightly News is probably the biggest mainstream outlet. They get about 8 million listeners a night, right? On a good night. On maybe. a good night. Yeah. Five to eight. You got Tucker Carlson's like 2.5 million. Rachel Maddow's under two or something like that. But Rogan dominates. And I think the reason he does is because he's willing to have a more honest discussion. The reason he does is because so many people in America are stupid and unenlightened. Right. 
That's what CNN said. <laughs> well, a person on CNN, but yeah. Well, yeah. that counts for CNN, right? Because they, they're purposefully putting that up there. But uh, if, I mean, what do we need to do here? Do we need to, if, if everybody makes a quick phone call to their, public, their representative and says, look, the jig is up. You guys seem to be influenced by the mainstream media, but the rest of us think it's bullcrap. You have a better word for that. But at what point do, does the emperor's new clothes thing take hold enough that it actually makes a difference? Or is it just like in the, in the allegory, in the story where uh, the end of it is that the emperor shivers because he knows they might be right, but... He says to himself, the show must go on. So he continues to walk on proudly while his noblemen held high the train that wasn't really there at all. Is that, I mean, are we going to allow that, those people to continue to walk around naked in front of us? Yeah. Overweight, I, I think, hairy. I think a lot of them will pasty continue white. to. I still think, I still, I still think. Covered his zits on their back. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I still think that their best that they're not they're neither going to come out and say I was wrong and I realize I have no clothes on nor are they going to come out and and claim victory over the virus some will some will there'll be some that do either or of those things but I think most and I'm talking about governors and state epidemiologists and public health people people in the press who have really pushed all of this I think they're just going to stop talking about it and let it blow away in the wind or the news of a war or whatever else is coming to distract us this summer. But I, I just don't, th these are prideful, arrogant people and they refuse, they, they've refused to admit they were wrong. They've been, they've been blatantly wrong. Adam Carolla, you remember him? Who's he? He's a comedian. He's been in stuff. He, he was defending Joe Rogan and he called out the, the mainstream media types. And he's like, what have you guys gotten right? You've been wrong about everything for, for years now you've been wrong about everything so people are people are definitely waking up some are and but the ones who stood to gain the most from this and who have gained the most the people who are now famous people who we now all know like Fauci <laughs> no one cared who Fauci was in 2019 the, those types are not going to let it go so easily and then you have the politicians who are just going to try to weasel their way through it in, in a way that will, in their minds, help them get reelected. Which is why I think Boris Johnson is saying, you know, lifting all the restrictions. Remember, these politicians and that type of pe person, they don't care about you. They're not out there protecting you or trying to take care of you or well, a lot of doing cases, anything sociopaths. in your best interest. They care about one thing and one thing only, and that's themselves and enriching themselves. This is true whether it's a guy you agree with or not. There, there are few exceptions, but even those guys usually end up either getting out because it's ruining their soul or corrupted. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what level, if it's local or national or whatever. These are people who seek power over you and think that because they win a contest that they are legitimately better than you and have authority over you to, to force you to, to do what they say. If not, if you don't do what they say, you're immoral and you're causing the pandemic to be prolonged.
Well, and they also use your money to to shore up the property value of their personal property. Well, that's where we started, right? Uh, Governor Cox, did we did we talk about that? No, we never actually got. We to We never that. got to it. We're down now. Done with the first tangent on <laughs> today's episode, January thirty first, twenty twenty two. Find us on the web at mindvirus.show. Thanks for listening to the introduction. In recent news, Spencer Cox, it came to light, ha- had the state put in a three hundred thousand dollar security complex at his house. For what reason? Well, what, what, now, what, this what is why, his, this what, is he, why he explained this. Why he, this is why, why was, he couldn't live in the governor's mansion. This is why I was talking about San Pete Valley, right? San Pete County. There's a town that, down there called Fairview. That's where Spencer Cox is from. Does that mean it's a nice view or just fair? Like fair, fair and balanced. It's Fairview. Or it's just a mediocre view like fair. Fairview's a, a decent little town. Right? It's a small, small town. It's sort of a fork in the road. It is. But it gets a lot of traffic, especially in the summertime, because it, there's a lot of good recreation, good mountains and things like that down there. That's where he lives and where he pretends to be a farmer. And he, when he was lieutenant governor, he lived there full time and he would drive to Salt Lake every day, or so he claims, which is about a two hour, three hour drive to downtown Salt Lake, to the capital. And somehow he thought that this made him like a man of the people or whatever. I think it just... Look, he, he, they were able to pull the wool over a lot of folks' eyes down there. That was, they had those signs that were green that said Cox Country. Right. And he had a good marketing staff. But again, Emperor's New Clothes right here because right. that, I think the shine has come off of any... I'm a country boy well, when and you're I'm li- for you guys. When you're l- l- the lieutenant governor, nobody even knows your name, let alone pays attention to anything you say. Like, g- I would like to do a poll out at the local grocery store. Who is the lieutenant governor of Utah? To be like, Spencer huh? Cox. Huh? <laughs> they'd huh? say Spencer Cox. I don't know that they would even know that. <laughs> no, because they... I don't think they've been listening to him as... Governor, sure. Everybody's got him tuned out. It's like, but anyway, oh, we, oh yeah, we made him governor. Oh crap! So he won the he won the election to be the governor, right? And the state of Utah provides housing for the governor. It's What's called that the, called? It's called the governor's mansion. Wait a minute, is it a mansion? I don't know where. I've never even seen it. It's a huge. I imagine nice it's home a nice right place. down there on uh, North Temple. I think. I imagine it's, it's right a nice across place. from the Masonic Lodge. By the way, convenient. Yeah. I imagine it's a nice place, and further, it is shored up with the necessary... It's an impenetrable fortress. ...security measures that a high-ranking politician feels like he deserves. It's not quite the Palace of Versailles, but... Well, Spencer Cox, he, he, you know, he made a big deal out of it, of course, because he always makes a big deal out of everything he does. They moved. He and his family moved to Salt Lake, but they kept their home in Fairview. Now, he still goes back to Fairview quite often. Now, I don't know if the state's paying for his gas. 
to what what in the that's like a foregone absolute and, yeah, and of I course the state's paying and for I his assume gas. that it probably the did. state's paying for his toilet paper the state's paying for <laughs> well it pays for everything his, his, his salary his twitter account his salary he's is. paying for whoever's tweeting on his twitter account i mean <laughs> well anyway he still goes back to fairview right and it turns out that every night he has no not no, every night he goes on the weekends and stuff now because they still live in the governor's mansion oh so they have two homes yeah but one the state owns, the other the state, state bought owns half of that with his state salary. The other the state is uh, paying for everything. Well, he took. Listen, he has a he has a security detail who he loves as if it's his own family. That's a quote. And he was down in Fairview, and one of the security guys said, "Hey, if you're going to be spending time down here, your house isn't super secure, meaning it's not. It's just." Like yours and mine. But here's what he said. Hey, uh, the natives are restless down here. You know those Cox Country signs? They're all <laughs> they've all come down. And, well, he uh, claims he, he this ain't no longer Cox Country, he showed, my boy. He he posted a picture of a bullet hole in a window. Now who knows, right? Who knows if that was a real threat? If that was something staged? Who who cares? Who knows? But well, whose window was it? <laughs> right. The point being, they decided that his Fairview home was not up to snuff, so they decided to build a guardhouse, uh, wrought iron gates and fencing. I'm thankful, they also, for, the, in the I'm, original, I'm thankful for the protection. The protection racket is provided. They also, me. in the original proposal, which has been modified, I guess, uh, had a proposal for redoing his driveway, uh, adding some new trees, and kind of a beautification project. The driveway and the sprinkler system overhaul got removed, but the Trees are still going in, apparently. Uh, anyway, the bill's like two hundred and fifty, somewhere between two hundred and fifty and five hundred thousand dollars. Of course, they're saying it's the low end of that, right? But it was, it was, it was very secretive. There was a bill that went through the legislature, but it wasn't specific. It was just some money being appropriated for something. Yep. And his response to this all is what is what is beautiful right i expect politicians to steal money to enrich their personal lives that's uh, just it's just, a, it's a, just de- a given that's just a given that's a default you chalk that up to the cost of doing business but his justification of it is fantastic one of the things he said that really caught my eye was that uh, cuz cuz people in twitter were on twitter where he posted this like 12 tweet thread of, you know justifying it adding some context is what he said <laughs> oh, okay. The context makes the context it, makes this all makes feel it better. All feel better. You're still oh, so you're, you're still stealing. So we elected a seven year old. So he he's getting roasted in the comments from people. Some of the people are saying you need to do more COVID restrictions, and other people oh, yeah. are saying you're stealing money. Th- those and- are people that work for the CIA that are part of a troll <laughs> farm. Just FYI. Anyway, he uh, he. Uh, <clears throat> He says, you know, the reason we did this is, is because I like to spend a lot of time down there. It's important to me to spend time down there. Because, and this is a quote, because it's the, quote, only place I can be me and get reconnected to the soil and soul of the state. End of quote. So, look, Governor, I can understand enjoying time in a small town. You chose the job. You knew the job came with requirement of relocation to a big city, kind of a big city. You took the job. You sought the job. You campaigned. Literally, you campaigned and begged for this job. 
Going home to Fairview is a choice that you make, and it comes with risks and consequences if you think that you're that important. I don't think you're that important, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. He even said, I value and love my security detail like my own family, and I understand that me going down there puts them at risk. So I'm going to do it anyway, basically. So you don't really care about them. Or rather you care than about inviting yourself. them into the home, we're going to make a glorified doghouse or in just, the backyard. Or just not going there. You chose this job. So you can quit the job at any time and go back to the soil and soul of the state. I think it's more like what you've done is you've soiled and sold the state, Governor. Yeah. But I should not have to pay for your connections to the soil and soul of the state. Okay, I, I don't need to pay for that. If you want to shore up the security and the property value of your personal property, then you do it. You have silver spoons in your mouth. Have dad pay for it. You can do this on your own time and money. Don't do it on mine. And don't try to act like your mental health and well-being and, and therefore the mental health and well-being of the state is predicated on you having a security guardhouse at your stupid fake farm. And it is a fake farm. He's proven that over and over. He let it all die in the, in the drought of the summer and posted pictures about it. And it's like, oh, they're, they're, we know it's not a, fa- a real farm then because a real farmer can't let his crops die because then he and his family will die. This guy is a one, just the textbook poser. You look up poser, what, it's What if he's caught. not even a real person? <clears throat> what, if, what if Spencer Cox is... Uh, like a, uh, a couple of people, they've got a couple of lookalikes, you know? Did you ever see the movie, was it Dave, where the president dies or is going to die and then they put in some actor, some uh, lookalike dude? Yeah. It's with Sigourney <clears throat> Weaver and she figures it out I, I because don't... he starts to like treat her better. Treat her better. Yeah. <clears throat> She's the first lady. Yeah. I don't think that Cox is important enough to replace. I mean, no one cares about him, right? Like, <clears throat> it's just weird. But I don't think he's, I don't think he's a real person in the sense that he, he lives in a circus land. He lives in a fantasy land. Well, it looks like he's, I'm saying that just because it looks like he's a, a mashup. That's a technical term for a, uh, a cobbled together piece of software. Yeah. Of all of everything that the left, everything the statist would want in a so-called conservative well, governor. He's a snowflake. Right. And, and yet he, I mean, he's, every, why, he's trying to be everything to everybody. And that's why I have no respect for him. Listen, I, I'll respect an idiot politician that at least is consistent and you know where they stand. You got to have Name like- one. Okay. Uh, that you respect. Well, I don't respect any of them, <laughs> okay. but, but like Prit, Pritzker, who's the governor of Illinois, you know where he stands. Bernie Sanders. Sanders, you know where he stands on most things, although he, he, he enjoys his, his capitalism <laughs> and his multiple homes. Yeah. So I think a lot of these guys, it's all an act. But like Cox, I don't, know where, I don't know where he stands on anything because he doesn't know. Where he stands is where the polls and where he thinks is going to get him you know, uh, praise from, from the, the worldly same, press, from he, the mainstream press. He kind of stands in the same area as Mitt Romney, but not, as, not with as much presence. Like he yeah. doesn't have the manliness to pull that off. Like yeah, Mitt, Mitt's, a, Mitt's abrasive. He's like toxic. Like man, oh, you, you want to talk to me in the airport? Oh, you're not, you're not wearing a mask. I mean, that right. guy. That guy is a sharp tongue. That snake. same. That same 
lady who filmed Mitt at the airport yeah. filmed Cox on the night of his parade where he was parading around on fire trucks. And she was saying something to him and he came over and he put his hands on her. Oh yeah. She and said, freaked out. Yeah. I love you. And <laughs> she's like, don't touch me. And I think that video has been, been removed from YouTube. Erased but, from existence. But you're right. Like I've been in rooms with Romney. He commands the room at least. You know, it doesn't mean he is an honest person, but he well, commands a room. Romney, I can't Rom, imagine Rom, Cox. Ramsey, Rom, 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 Romney, he's kind of dangerous. Like, he, he strikes me as like somebody you'd, you would respect because you would fear that they might... Put a hit out on you? Not just that, but like... Ruin your career? Ruin, sick the entire federal government on you, you know? Like, uh, like he, he's the guy that'll bury you six ways from Sunday. Cox has like a different type of danger associated with him. It's like like he might accidentally trip and fall over on top of the nuclear football button or something. Or uh, well, he's he's weak. He's very weak, and he proves that over and over because he can't take a stand on anything. He tries to, and he weasels his way through stuff like this. What he could have said was, "Yep." What he could have said was, "Yeah, we we installed a security. We installed a post. security place. This is why I did it. And yes, I spent state money. Deal with it." Instead, it was like, but I needed it. We needed it because there was legitimate threats. And they've also. It was, was, I needed it because I have connections to the soil. They've updated. I I need a connection to the soil. I. I need this. I for my for my psychological well being. The next thing, Cox is Cox going to come out as transgender? Is he going to be the first woman governor of Utah? No, but he might come out as the first gay governor of Utah. So you think he would go gay, not transgender? I, who knows at this point? Even, just saying that. Are we now canceled? <laughs> are we now canceled? Listen, that, that idea wasn't mine. I, there's a lot of people who are like. Dude, my uh, my my spider senses are tingling with <laughs> the that gaydar. Guy. The gaydar. Can we say that? <laughs> but they also gave a new budget to Deidre Hendrickson. Gave her a security detail. I don't think the lieutenant governor had one before. Hence, why these things needed to be done at his home now in Fairview. Now that he's governor. See, the, the important thing, if you, if you want to understand how government works, the important thing to do is to get as much money as possible and then spend it every year. Because you can never roll it back. Like, right. how many, if the lieutenant governor gets uh, a security detail, when it's clear nobody even knows who she is, like Diedrich, Deidre, what's... She could walk into a gro- grocery store and, and no one would know. She could hold she up is. a 7-Eleven and get away with it. Like, they, the guys on the security tape would be like, what's this middle-aged woman? What? Check all the middle-aged women in the, in the state. She was a middle-aged woman with horned-rimmed glasses and a pantsuit. That's like... They're... <laughs> okay, so the Relief Society presidency of of the uh, the Leighton Seventh Ward. Uh, okay, we got to right. check here. Okay, we got a <clears throat> got a lady walking into Walmart in Orem. I mean, nobody knows who she is, so she, she could seriously hold up a Seven Eleven and get away with it. And she's got to have a security detail. That's absurd because there was apparently legitimate threats. That's what that's you want to know. We what told. the legitimate threats were was that people actually know where Angela Dunn lives and where the governor's mansion is, and they come and protest when you take away their natural rights. Yeah, but those people are committing a moral outrage, according to Spencer Cox. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So 
I just, I have no, I, I've actually kind of grown like bored. Like it's so bored. Like these people, it's in, it is absurd. The, the, the coronavirus Utah Twitter account is now encouraging people to get boosted. And they're using this ad campaign where they, they show a picture of a normal looking person and they're like normal hairdo. And then the, turns into a rock star or something with crazy hair. It's like boosted hairdo. I was driving on I-15 yesterday and I saw <clears throat> an ad saying, get boosted, fight Omicron. Like it, the official narrative, the official, official like CDC, NAID, whatever it is, ABC, EFG, HIJ, KLMNOP, that narrative is that the boosters don't work against Omicron. Right. They have to have something. <clears throat> they have to excuse the failure of the vaccines on something. And that was Omicron. But Utah's lagged behind in that. At least their propaganda, they've, they've lagged behind since the very beginning on some of that stuff. They're still telling people to boost your five-year-olds. They're still Is telling that the people to wear the masks. Church? Like, we're, we're not going to, are we going to do the same thing we did with prohibition? Sorry, <laughs> warning to all of you uh, Mormons out there that might not want to hear this. Are you, are you aware that our, now I'm not saying you should go out and drink, but the whole Heber J. Grant era word of wisdom changed to where we couldn't drink alcohol or coffee or whatever. And then they link that to your temple recommend that started with prohibition. We just never came out of yeah. prohibition. I don't know if you're aware of that. Well, are, Heber, you aware, are you aware he, of that? Bobby? Heber J. Grant is on the record saying how much he likes beer. Well, and that was one reason I think he kept it is because he struggled with alcohol and tobacco. Oh, did he? Or tobacco no, or too? was it coffee, coffee and beer? I think he really liked those. Those prohibitions on those specific things evolved over time, and prohibition was was the main. We're, we're reason. talking about the amendment to the United States Constitution because you had what you had were. Uh, uh, move your hands off the thanks. Oh, hands in the air. What you had were a lot of Christian uh, Christian activists at that time were petitioning the government to ban alcohol. Tito Tallers, and. A lot of the a lot of Mormons at that time jumped onto that and were supportive of prohibition, which created uh, so much crime in America. It created the whole gangster movement, really, or at least enhanced it. But yeah, the yeah, the the and well, see, okay, so there's the thing: the United States decided at one point to ban alcohol via a constitutional amendment. If you're late to the party here, right? Uh, then it was repealed but the mormons never repealed it. repealed it in their minds <laughs> and, and, and and like you're saying and so so that's what I, i'm asking right now is are we stuck with social distancing and vaccines because well it, because of this episode like is the rest of the world going to figure this out and the mormons are going to be certainly the, the official policies of the church are certainly lagging behind because they're still you know they they have Churches and temples, depending on you know where they are, but even right here locally, there are still restrictions placed on temple attendance. The number of people who can go, masks are still. Didn't they change it to a contactless endowment? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's been changed back. And and there's still restrictions. There's still requirements for people who want to go to the MTC, the Missionary Training Center, to be vaccinated and and boosted now and. You might be right. You might, this might be just something that they just don't, or they're, they'll be the last people. They were the first to kind of jump into the restrictions, and they may be the last 
to they lift them. They weren't the first. They were disappointed they weren't the first because were, the uh, NBA <laughs> shut down first, and then it was like, oh, me too, me too. We want to shut down too. Let's shut everything down. I remember being in sacrament meeting the day before it shut down in March of 2020, whenever that was, and all and the am I yelling? What what am I doing? No, but I I shook your hand that day, and you're like, should we be shaking hands? You said it, you know, jokingly, <laughs> kind of jokingly. and I was like. Well, I, I think I, m- I might have said something like, well, I'd rather not be seen shaking hands with you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to be seen shaking hands with Jordan Bruno. Uh, so I, uh, I remember people in the congregation, like the majority of people were like, what in the world is this garbage that everybody's freaking out? We shouldn't be freaking out. And then bam, never saw those people for six months. Right. Right. We were, everything was turned upside down and inside out. And of course, if you're in uh, a Mormon ward, you know that when they split the ward, you're no longer friends with the people that used to be in your ward. You can only associate (laughs) with the people in your ward. And so when they turn off the faucet there, like uh, no more church, then you just don't associate with anyone because no more meetings. Well, your your mileage... Mormons live for meetings. Your mileage may vary out there, but there was like silence from local leadership for months like oh yeah no emails no text messages no zoom or youtube sermons or lessons or anything it was just everyone was like all right get in the rv we're we're (laughs) going on vacation i remember because i you know i work at home and uh i remember seeing people out the, the window you know just tons of people walking the neighborhood it was like hey yeah the uh the local bike trail, the like the paved kind of rec trail, yeah, was busy, busier than I've ever seen it. I've been riding that for years. I used to ride it back in the old days when it was the dirt road that ran alongside the an irrigation canal. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of sad when they paved when it. they paved it because I liked that dirt road. But they paved paradise. And they put in they, a parking ba- lot. they put a pipe into the where the canal ran because they needed to keep that irrigation channel. It's called the Murdoch Trail. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was busier than I've ever seen it during those initial lockdown weeks. And of course, nobody was wearing a mask. A few people were. Well, had, but hardly anybody I had because one guy. there wasn't this big propaganda <laughs> you're, you're right, push. You're right. And nobody, and by the way, there was no spike in coronavirus until in Utah, until right. the, that winter, the winter of 2020, 2021. Then we finally got our spike. I did ride by uh, someone on a bike who, on, this was on a trail, a dirt trail. And he, he pulled over and plugged his nose as I rode by. <laughs> you must have stunk. I must have. You know, I only I only wash really my bad. riding gear once a month. Yeah. But but that first yeah, the, the mask propaganda didn't hit for a while. Remember that first April general conference, like two weeks after the lockdowns, there were no masks. It was closed to the public, but there were no masks. Yeah. How come all those guys aren't dead? I don't know. They, I don't know. They're grateful for the protection the vaccine provides. Well, we've been all over the place today. Yeah. What are we talking about today? <clears throat> I uh, I think this stroll down memory lane is pretty good. I mean, we need to remember what happened. We need to remember the inconsistencies. We need to remember that this is really absurd and that yet there is some sort of a disease running around out there. What was it created in a lab? I don't know. I haven't been following that. That debate sort of went away. It sort of just faded. It's like away. they they acknowledged that yeah, it probably was, but then 
And then I, the Chinese said, no, it was, it was, uh, it was Fort Detrick in Maryland uh, right. where you guys created this thing. It, it could have been. It could have been both of those things. We may not ever know, but we do know that we're getting hosed by the statists. We do know that they have jerked us around and gaslit the public. Define gaslighting for everybody. I had a an acquaintance that uh, is a pretty close acquaintance who <clears throat> told me, I, th- I think I now understand, I, I, I've learned about this term gaslighting, and you might be right, you know, that, like I've been, you know, you push, you're, you're trying to push people to wake up, and sometimes they show a glimmer of hope, and I think the this bi- guy brought up the term gaslighting. I think the most basic definition of it is, uh, it's a psychological tactic, an abusive tactic to make another person believe that they are the the guilty party or the aggressor uh, in that you in fact are the victim. So if I was going to gaslight Jordan Bruno, uh, let's let's say that. Well, the classic example is sort of the the bl- blaming the victim for being raped. That's a classic example. Well, you went you went out in that dress. You flirted with the guy. You did this and let's, that. Uh, let's not use a transgender analogy for Jordan Bruno. Um, <laughs> what you would more likely say is, Jordan, you're the reason this, the, the listeners, that we have uh, the audience size that we have. It's your well, fault. It's, and I know it's I'd more love to than, take credit for those millions it's, of people. It's more than just blame, blaming somebody for something, though. See how I turned that though. gaslighting on and said, it, I could right. be a politician. It's more than just blaming somebody for something, though. It's, it's convincing them that what they see with their very eyes isn't real. So it's like, I mean, we could look up some examples, but basically it's, it's, it's an abusive psychological tactic to make a victim of something into the perpetrator, into the aggressor, by, de- by telling them that they're denying what they see with their own eyes. It's, you might say, you might look at that light and say, that light is on, and I can say, you're, you're insane. That, is, that light is turned off. Why do you think that light is turned on? And what, what is the, what is the uh, perpetrator of gaslighting gain? First, first of all, it's a stall tactic, right? Because in a lot of cases, people wake up to it and they go, no. Uh, for, it's, it, at first, when you shock somebody like by making a, a statement that causes fear or something that's just blatantly incorrect, you know, if, it's, if it's just a one-on-one situation, it's got to be more subtle. But if you have a lot of people making the claim about something that's just obviously wrong... You can get a lot of people to stop, and 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 they're looking for some sort of validation. It's ha- it's hard for people to stand on their own and say no, that light is off, when everybody else is saying the light is on, and so th- this type of mass psychosis, to borrow Dr. Malone's methodology here, has only been possible in the internet era when everybody's focused in on their screens. It's, it is truly the zombie apocalypse. People are dragging their feet around looking at their screens. Have you ever no, have you noticed how many people are texting in their cars? Like I've noticed this lately. I'm like, oh my gosh, the, these guys are looking at their screens while they're driving. Like, yeah, when I got it's a, dangerous. When I got a pickup truck the first few weeks afterward, you know, I, I'm elevated now. I can see down into the peons in their sedans. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I was amazed at the stuff people are doing. I, I remember seeing a woman doing her makeup. We're going I-15, right? Going 80 miles an hour. And she's looking in the rear view, doing in her the makeup. You see people with books on their laps or newspapers. And of course, phones everywhere, phones. Mm-hmm. And, but 
the the mass gaslighting has been impressive, right? Over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. we've been told over and over, like, what you see with your eyes is not real. What you're experiencing with your in your life is not real, because we've been told there's a deadly pandemic. Yet our experiences out in the real world don't really match up with what we are told a deadly pandemic is. We're told that there's no such thing as a mass formation psychosis while we're witnessing a mass formation psychosis. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, the, the, the gaslighters gain from that because... They gain power. They, they, gain they make you pause, right? Like in, in any sort of a combat, think of it as a mental combat. If you've watched uh, any sort of prize fighting or uh, UFC, what what we call it, mixed martial arts or boxing or anything, any even even like a football game or a soccer match or whatever, if you hesitate, you get scored on, you get punched out, right? You, so this is this is clearly combat. This is this is mental combat, and we all got punched out for two years. We've been punched out, and a lot of people are on the mat right now, getting up, going, "You're not gonna." Are they going to punch us out again? I mean, that's the question. <laughs> what? Because they, I would argue that they intend to punch us out again. And the way they're going to have to do that is with a bigger distraction than coronavirus because it's getting tired. Other people have argued they're just going to double down on that and that they have the ability to do so because of the mass formation psychosis where 20 to 30% of the people, especially the politicians and the bureaucrats have have succumbed to the to all the restrictions well th- we they did might. the predictions we did the predictions a few weeks ago but i still want to be in the mode of predicting right now because i've been um <coughs> excuse me for some reason i've been watching lately these uh, world war ii in color videos on netflix i don't know if you've seen any of those they're they're interestingly enough there's a lot of footage taken during world war ii that was in color and changes a little bit how you look at the war because it's kind of vivid it's the 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 colors are muted you know they've they've degraded over over the many years but and and one one thing that's maddening about these little documentary series uh, by the way besides the fact that they're not telling the whole story okay is that and, and then and and then I think they do have to focus on episodes of World War II where there was color footage, <laughs> right? So you get certain certain focuses that are not necessarily telling the whole story either in that way. Well, the thing that bothers me is that nobody touches on the conspiracies that are going on. Uh, like this this one I've been watching is World War II and color road to victory. And they've, they have not yet even mentioned the Stalin, Stalin's cooperation with Churchill and Roosevelt. They've only been really talking about Churchill and Roosevelt. They're not, they haven't ever pointed out that those three socialists, Stalin, Roosevelt, and Churchill, got together early on in the war and decided how to divide Europe. They split it exactly down the middle. That's where Berlin was. If you grew up in our era, Bobby, when we were kids, you know, during the Cold War, we when we looked at a map of Europe, we only saw red past the Warsaw Pact countries because you had the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics and even the Warsaw Pact countries Poland uh, Austria was never part of the Warsaw Pact by the way but Poland East Germany I think Yugoslavia some of these other Romania they were all usually colored in darker maybe red because um, 
they were Warsaw Pact. And you had in Western Europe, they called it Eastern and Western Europe because it was split directly down the middle. This was the way that this, the oligarchy was able to take over Europe and split it in half. They split it in half and they knew they were going to do that. And the allies, there, there's a lot of, um, well, not a lot, but there's some material out there you can look into about the death of Patton. Because Patton, General Patton, wanted to move ahead to Berlin in 1944. And he probably could have done it, except that they killed him. <laughs> the death of Patton is highly suspicious. He, he died incident to injuries he sustained in a car accident. But the car accident didn't kill him, so they had to kill him in the hospital. And there's a KGB agent that... Uh, came out and and uh, collaborated with a guy that wrote a book on it where he said he gave him all this evidence that they had actually caused the car accident and then caused Patton to die later in the hospital. And the guy said he had enough evidence. I'll have to find this book now. But he said he had enough evidence. He thought he could convene a grand jury. They could actually literally get a court to convene a grand jury because they had enough evidence pointing to the fact that Patton was killed. Well, the reason that they had to get rid of Patton was because he was too good. He's moving ahead to to Berlin too fast, which was the whole point was to get Germany to surrender rather than fighting in Italy and fighting all the German um, outposts and and, and mopping up all of the Germans on the way to Berlin. The point was to get to Berlin, cut the head off of the snake because they wanted to be done. They had tried to kill Hitler multiple times, you know? And so, oh, and by the way, one of the one of the things that sticks out in my mind uh, relative to World War II, when I was a kid, I, it was big on my mind because my grandpa fought in World War II, and it was still when we were young, they still glorified World War II, and there were all those great movies from the sixties and seventies. Kelly's Heroes, one of my favorites. Donald Sutherland, Clint Eastwood, uh, Telly Savalas. I mean, that that's a classic. By the way, just saying. But then you got all the John Wayne movies. Anyway, I'm, I'm tangentizing off of my tangent here. The, the thing is, I remember reading about World War II as a kid. Because, you know, you remember you'd go to the elementary school um, library and there were all these books. What books did you, Bobby, what, what books were you getting out of the elementary school library? I read some sports books. See? Okay. I read, I read about the Green Bay Packers winning yeah. the first two Super Bowls. Did you have that book in your yeah, had yeah, like Lombardi and they won yeah, the first two? I think I Joe read Namath. one about Walter Payton. Yeah, Walter Payton, but there's, there's the Joe Namath books because yeah. he's the New York Jets. He was the next great Super Bowler. And then there was some like, you know, uh, just storybooks. I'm trying to remember the specifics. You probably read a little fiction. Yeah. I was there never was some, a great... There were some World War II books that talked about like planes and tanks and yeah, stuff see, like that. I was that. never a great reader, but I was into the war and the sports stuff. And I remember reading about Adolf Hitler. Okay. Remember Osama bin Laden, right? Mm-mm. Who was that? Okay. This guy that co- supposedly caused all these problems in Afghanistan. Oh yeah. Him. Right, they right. went after, they found him. <laughs> they went after him, captured him, killed him. And then they buried him at sea. Yeah, to honor his faith. And nobody <laughs> photographed or videoed anything. Okay, see, this is a problem here. Like, my, my, I, have a, I, have a close, I have a close friend who's a police officer, and he said in lineup, at the day that that happened, his sergeant said, let's see him cough up a body. <laughs> because a, the police know that you need 
evidence. There's an old uh, there's an old saying in the comic book world: "No body, no death." <laughs> Which is way right. they, the way that they can, you know, bring 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 guys back, back to life. Right. So hey, it happened in Harry Potter too. You had uh, what was his name, uh, Wormtail, from uh, uh, mm. Peter Pettigrew. It was his name. We have a few Harry Potter buffs. They they were probably cringing that it took me so long to come up with Peter Peter Pettigrew. I was name. I was cringing. Do you like Harry Potter? I actually do like it. I really like that. We should talk about. that I think sometime. the movies. The movies got a little better as they went on, but the movies don't quite do it justice. Oh, the books are just miles ahead. Right. Okay, back to the tangent at hand. I remember reading as a kid, and this, you could see how this would be confusing to a kid growing up in the 80s, that Hitler committed suicide and AIDS burned his body and burned the body of Eva Braun, his mistress. Okay, first of all, the first confusing thing to a kid in the, in the 80s is how can AIDS burn his body? AIDS is a disease <laughs> that people who are um, According living, to Fauci, living a weird lifestyle... According to Fauci, by sitting on a park bench with another person. Yeah, by the way, Fauci did the same thing that he did to us with coronavirus back in the 80s with AIDS. But I was confused for a little while until I understood that, no, his um, assistants burned his body. Mm-hmm. So the Allies never captured Hitler. They, this, the official story is that he committed suicide. Like murder-suicide with Eva Braun, right? Right. She, she took poison, and he shot himself, and then his body was burned. Okay. And bombed, Am I right? the only one? Isn't that the story, the, too? The place where he was at I, was I don't know, but am destroyed. I the only one in this room that no. think that's kind of fishy? Actually, now, now, that we're, now that we're in the year 2022, and we've had all this evidence of conspiracy. I think there's whole documentaries and stuff about what really happened. Is there really? Because I need to I find so. those. I probably, anyway, I've been watching a lot of that. Go ahead. You got something there in your, on well, your phone you want to talk about. I was but, just, the, the, but I want to talk about war. A lot of people. The big distraction that it looks like we're going to get is war. War, 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 war. I mean, they want a war so bad. This whole <laughs> Ukraine thing is like. A lot of people think that, like, capitalism and Ronald Reagan in the West kind of ended the Cold War and brought down the, the wall, right? Right. They're wrong. They're wrong. This single-handedly brought down the Berlin Wall. I knew you were going to play that. And I could never, I never knew what they were saying there. Following something to Gonky Punk. Well, he's saying, he's saying, I follow the Moskva down to Gorky Park, listening to the winds of change. Mm -hmm. An August summer night, soldiers passing by, listening to the wind of change. So I don't know what Moskva is. We'll have to get our Dimitri uh, involved. But Gorky Park, as I understand, is a park in Moscow. The Scorpions, that's the Scorpions, they played in the Soviet Union or, or Berlin. I'm, I'm mi- mixing up my... They were playing beyond, behind the Iron Curtain and, and, and fo- they think they fomented the revolution, right? Yeah, because they got the young people involved with their Western music mm-hmm. and this, this back then kind of 
passed for like r- rebellion, like this this song. And uh, but see that uh, Joel Skousen has made a pretty good commentary on this. I think on his uh, World Affairs Brief website. Mm-hmm. Let me see. There's there's also some. This is the song I think that some people claim that the CIA wrote. Oh yeah, and the Scorpions deny it. Like the, the CIA didn't write it. The guy that we met in the in the white shirt and the tie at the cafe wrote it. No, I'm just kidding. But they do deny it. They claim they wrote it, but who knows, right? Okay, so so Joel has a great. Um, or I'm sorry, are you finished? Yeah. Okay, be done. Okay, so Joel has a great. Um, That's write-up. called "The Winds uh, of Change," by the way, by Scorpions. Go look it up. It's one of the all-time best. We'll link to it. '80s songs. Okay. It's very iconic. Uh, so he has a little write-up about how the fall of communism was a deception on his website, which I'll link to, which he makes some really good points. Okay, Russia stood... A lot of people think that the, that the people actually had power over there. They were able to maintain uh, dominance, full-spectrum dominance, for decades. And we're supposed to believe that all of a sudden... These guys who have the tanks, who control the food supply and control the, the TV stations, just stood down and let these students and people walk into the TV stations and get up on the wall. They were killing people for decades for this kind of behavior. We're supposed to believe that they just, that, that just happened. No, no, somebody made the decision that these people were going to stand down. And then all the wealth of Russia was... Um, consolidated in the hands of the people that the Western media calls the Russian oligarchs. Nobody will ever admit we have Western oligarchs, but if in Russia, they're the oligarchs, okay? Yeah, they're the ones, they're the who ones are, that own the oil industry. And the, the, they're the ones driving those trucks in Canada. Which trucks? The trucks in Canada. Oh, those are the oligarchs? Those are okay, the Russian so I, oligarchs. I was, I was thinking of trucks in Russia, like jacked up trucks or something, <laughs> like they had really cool trucks. You, ha- you totally got me in a loop there. Yeah. Okay, so they fomented the, the Canadian convoy, these oligarchs. They also, Whoa, they also fund this podcast. <laughs> They're funding this podcast. It'd be, would we take money from Russian oligarchs? I mean, if, if somebody were to give us money, would we take the money? Because so far, Abs- we've, absolutely. we're not making any money. Here. From Russian oligarchs, we would absolutely take it. Hmm. We might have to. Or Wait, hold on. We might have to. We're like, not going to take we're it. We're not going to take it no, anymore. No, we're not going to take it anymore. Anyway, war is horrific. That's what I want to point out. Watching this World War Two, World War Two in color stuff. Besides the fact that this the narrative is missing really important uh, information, like they they want a war really bad. Do do you, do any of you guys know what? Post on the website if you know what a ration card is. Post, post on the website if you have ever, uh, if you know anybody that was ever drafted. Did you know they like did they by change the, the NFL? <laughs> exactly. I I know people in the NFL. Did did they change the law requiring women to be drafted, or was that just on the table? There was something about that recently. If you know a, a teenage girl, like an eighteen year old girl, and you think she should be fighting in a war, like as a an infantry soldier. <laughs> May, do you, 
do any of you know what a draft is like? Do any of you know what it means when you have a command control economy where the government just takes control of everything? That's one thing that's not remembered about World War II. They set prices. They controlled everything. They, not only that, the propaganda uh, mechanism was overt. It was like, you, you, you can't say anything or you go to jail or you go to an internment camp. Did you know we had internment camps in here? Do any have you, any of you visited the West Desert where they had Japanese internment camps here in the United States in Utah? Yeah, there was one in what is now downtown Orem, Utah, like in residential area too. There was one there. There was, there was one in Orem. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's a car dealership now. It's a car dealership. Okay, but sense. yeah, I know right where it was because it was pretty near where I spent a lot of my childhood. Okay, that that's what happens when the war is not on your soil. Go watch this World War II and color stuff if you want. Find any of it. Look at what happens when they engage in strategic bombing. Last night I was watching an episode where they were talking about the war in the Pacific. Did you know that the, that these generals decided the best way to get Japan was through strategic bombing at first? And so they decided to firebomb Tokyo. Now, Tokyo was a place where a lot of Japanese people had built homes in the traditional manner, which means wood and paper. That's real. Like mm-hmm. what you've seen on Karate Kid, okay, <laughs> or in all these movies, that's, that's real. They, they, and in fact, in Tokyo, they don't really have a huge crime problem because the, the society is pretty cohesive and they essentially, the death penalty is real and, you know, they, they have serious forms of, uh, <laughs> they're very serious about punishing crime. So they can have paper houses. Well, what, they, what these guys did, the, these American Air Force generals, is they flew thousands of B-29s at low altitude over Tokyo and just dropped incendiary bombs. They changed their strategy from bombing the, trying to bomb the factories with high explosives to just lighting the place on fire. They, they think they killed 100,000 people in one night, turning... Uh, Tokyo into a raging inferno. That's horrific. That's a, like a crime against humanity that we don't talk about. And and the, one of the one of the things that bugged me about the the documentary was is you could tell they were in a plotting fashion trying to show you how harsh the war in the Pacific was. By this was the episode on Iwo Jima. They're like, hey, we we lost three thousand men in the first hour, and we lost. They said we had twenty eight thousand casualties. Well, that was wounded and dead. They, they, they kind of weave in there. Okay, it was seven, six or 7,000 men died, which is bad, right? Which is terrible. But, but then they just flippantly said, yeah, we killed 100,000 Japanese in one night by, by incendiary bombing Tokyo. And they were trying to set, they're trying to set up this narrative that the, that the atomic bomb was necessary. The atomic bomb is a horrific immorality, okay? it's <laughs> maybe we should do a whole episode on the morality of of nuclear weapons and how faithless we are that that and how how driven by fear we are because we're allowing that narrative to persist persist the idea is we need to kill everybody and their dog so that they don't get nuclear weapons but we the only nation in the world that has used them should have the monopoly on them and we, we went over there and we lit up Nagasaki and Hiroshima 
and the the narrative is that we scared the Japanese into submission because they were going to fight to the last man. Well, and and this this documentary or this docu series, infomercial, whatever it is, prop it's propaganda is trying to set up this narrative that they that the Japanese were these fierce fighters and we were going to lose too many people taking over Japan. Well, first of all, the one question is if we hemmed Japan in, why did we, you know, did we have to we destroyed their air force and their navy. Did we have to go in there and and destroy them? Did we have to make them surrender? That's the first question. But the but the more significant historical question is is this they were going to surrender. Why did the American elite, the the uh, leaders, make it very clear to Japan that they would only accept unconditional surrender? Do you know what unconditional surrender is, Bobby? It means there are no conditions. Okay. <clears throat> it's like I, I guess absolute, I set myself, complete. I, I guess I set myself up for that. But that, it's what like, that it's means, non-negotiable. It's complete surrender. That means... You can do anything you want to us. Right. We just want you to stop shooting. So here are all of our guns. And you can rape our women. You can take us as slaves. You can do whatever you want. Please just don't kill us. By the way, I said that Wind of Change was like an American rock. They're actually British. Okay. Anglo-American. Western. Western. Well, th- this is the reason that Japan was fighting so fiercely is because they required unconditional surrender uh and and so especially that culture there they're they're thinking yeah they're going to kill we we got nothing we might as well fight to the death because they won't allow us to keep our emperor that was the the uh, <laughs> I I know I'm stuttering here but I haven't been I haven't been studying this it's not on the tip of my tongue so I haven't been looking at it lately, but uh, there's good evidence that the uh, that the emperor, I think his name's Hirohito, was through back channels trying to negotiate a surrender with uh, Washington that would allow him to keep his ceremonial keep ceremonial status that would allow the the Japanese to maintain some level of dignity. But no, that wasn't going to happen. And they, they, they said, no, it's got to be unconditional surrender. And so they, they firebombed Tokyo, and then they dropped the two atomic bombs. And finally, the Japanese got the picture that there would be no country left. And so they did surrender unconditionally. And now the, uh, Japan is a vassal state for the United States and has been since the end of the Civil War. That's it. End of story. World right War there. Two. Since the Civil War. Since, the, since World War II. Thank you for correcting me. Sometimes when you get going fast, you just say things that are just wrong. I don't want Spotify to tell us that we're spreading misinformation. Not on, not on purpose. <laughs> not on purpose. No, since the end of World War II, Japan has been a vassal state of the United States of America, the empire of the Americas. True. It's just, and it's horrific. It was horrific. Nobody liked the war. We've, we've romanticized the war, but nobody liked it. Nobody wanted... Hundreds of thousands of our young men died. The whole society was upended. Worse than COVID. Worse than COVID. And and the thing that we're not seeing is that the next war, the next big war, is not likely to be limited to the old world. 
it's likely to be over here. Well, they've been trying to get us into another similar war ever since, and they haven't. Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, it just hasn't caught on. I don't know. I don't know. You think they've been really trying for that worldwide war, or was there I mean, they've been waging worldwide war. The United Nations experiment got, in all the commies that, Alger Hiss and all these communist types that fomented this world government. They they set that apparatus up, and then uh, I think that the Orwell theory that you have to have three warring superstates played out for the last seventy years. That that's I think that holds water. I mean, I don't. I I think that you've watched The Matrix. You know when Neo has the conversation with the architect and he says, look, this isn't the first version of the Matrix. There have been all these other matrices before. He says matrices, right? Matrices is the plural of matrix. (laughs) Just FYI, Dimitri. Um, He says there's been all these other experiments before. and We tried to do a paradise world where, you know, everything was great for you, batteries. But no, you need the conflict. And, and, and uh, people would rebel against that. So we had to have conflict. And so I think that the, the oligarchy, the bad people, the controllers, the devil, they understand that, that it's necessary to keep people in fear. Otherwise, you can't control them. And so the best way to control ge- uh, world geopolitics is to have multiple warring Super states, mm-hmm. and that's that's what we've had. Since. That's that's what Orwell Orwell's book was not. Orwell's book was a prediction about what actually happened, not something that may happen in the future. His he he was predicting what would go on after 1948. Mm-hmm. Even though he he everybody makes a big deal about oh he's predicting what's going to happen in 1984. No, it, it Eurasia, East Asia, Oceania. That's uh, Amer- the Americas and and Great Britain and because um, remember Oceania wasn't Great Britain in Oceania because Winston is part of Winston was in Great Britain and he's part of the Oceania state. Then you have Eur- uh, yeah. Eurasia, which is Russia and and Europe, and then East Asia, which is China. Yeah, I think those are the three in the book. Okay, so since nineteen forty five, who have been the main geopolitical groups? the Anglo-American establishment, the British and the Americans, which has included Western Europe. Then you have Eurasia, which is, um, a lot of people don't count Russia as Europe, but but Moscow is in Europe, technically. Or we call that technically Asia. Dimitri, rescue us in the comments I think it's European, but... But a lot of Russia is technically Europe. And then you have Asia, which... That's Eurasia, the Russian guys, and then East Asia, which is China, which was an evolving superpower. The West sunk a ton of money into Mao. Um, Mao killed off hundreds of millions of people, and China is what it is today, and it dominates the East. So Orwell's vision played out with in a, in a real way, and we have and we have telescreens that are far more far more insidious and technologically advanced than the telescreens in in the book 1984 far more right like the snowden revelation showed they are spying on us just like 
just like in Winston's world. And they can do it whenever they want. And you you don't just have one telescreen. You've got multiple devices, multiple listening I've got two on, my, t- on this table right now. There are four on the table right now. There are four lights. <laughs> anyway, I, I know I'm going off here, but war is not good. But they, they still want to get us involved in a war. And so that, how is that not the next big distraction? I mean, are people... Go out and do your informal polls, listeners, and tell us, are they... Are your neighbors buying it? Because if they're not buying it, it the war is next. Or, or space aliens. <laughs> I don't well, know what I, it is. I think, Clim- I think, climate I think, war? I don't know how they can pull off climate war. I think people are buying the war narrative. I've, I've been talking with some people, and it's like, well, the Ukraine is our greatest ally, and we must, so that we narrative must support is getting, them. That narrative is getting out there. And it, it, it might be true that Ukraine's a great ally, but why are we agitating Russia? Why are we poking the bear? <laughs> Why can't Russia be an ally? Why do we need to have enemies? You know that, right? Uh, honest friendship with all nations and entangling alliance alliances with none. Some right. famous George Washington type said that. The, the guy that university's named after? No, I think he was a racist slave owner. Or the guy that invented the thing. Talking about George Washington Carver, right? Okay. <laughs> the guy that invented the steakhouse? Carvers? Carvers? Okay. <laughs> oh, we're way off. Nobody we're... ever gets my dad jokes that are buried in esoteric, stupid... George Washington Carver. <laughs> what did George Washington Carver invent? Was that the, co- the cotton gin? No, that was Eli Whitney. You're right. What was Carver known for? I'm looking it up right now. He was an American scientist. He was black. And he promoted alternative crops to cotton. Uh, here's what Wikipedia says. So okay. take this with a grain of salt. The most prominent black scientist of the early 20th century, the early 20th century. Man, I'm having a hard time today. While a professor at Tuskegee Institute, Carver developed technologies to improve soils depleted by repeated plantings of cotton. He wanted poor farmers to grow other crops, such as peanuts and sweet potatoes, as a source of their own food and improve their quality of life. Okay. Seems like a pretty cool guy. But yeah. he is not responsible for the quote of uh, honest friendship with all nations and entangling okay. alliances with none. That was George Washington, the father of the country. Oh, that George, that Washington. George Washington. The guy with the wooden teeth that cut down the cherry tree. Yeah, that one. That guy. Okay. I'll accept it. <laughs> Well, maybe we should wrap it up. What are we going to call this episode? I don't know. Ramblin' Man? <clears throat> That's a good song. I was born a ramblin' man. Doing the best I can. Jordan I, doesn't I, remember I, I saw all something. the lyrics to this song. I was looking up a little info. But I was born a ramblin' man. I've always got, I've always got to get through to the, yeah. the stopping point. So sorry, go ahead. I was looking up some info about... The, the CIA and, and Winds of Change. And, of course, the, the band denies it. Oh, yeah. Um, but and there was a side, on the website I was looking at, there was a sidebar with some headlines. And one of them was, uh, I think it was the, the, uh, the, someone in the band, The Offspring, which was, they were really popular when we were kids, like in the 90s. They're, they're, uh, Is that Pretty Fly for a White Guy? Yeah, I think they did that. They did You Gotta Keep Them Separated. Yeah. 
Never mind. That was a false start. You got to keep them separated. Anyway, they're kind of this, they were this rocker band. And now he's out there saying like, people who believe in any alternative narratives for January 6th are stupid. And I think it's really funny how so much of the rock and roll world, which is based on rebellion and... Like rage against the machine. Is now rage with the machine. Yeah, rage for, rage the, machine. for the machine. But all, you know, even Neil Young, right? He was this, he was this rocker, rock, you know, even sang a song about... Counterculture. Keep 60s, on rocking the yeah. free world and all this stuff. And now he's advocating and siding with the oligarchy with the man with the man man you scare the hell out of people and they'll do whatever you want i just think you it's gotta funny. gaslight them all these all these people who built a career on on bucking the man are mm-hmm. now the man and, and and you could say the same about a lot of politicians especially like the bill clinton bill clinton himself right they used to go to anti-war protests him and mm-hmm. him and hillary and they grew up to be warmongers. And a few other girls. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you have all these, these politicians that grew up pretending. They were all pretend. It was all a joke for them. It was all uh, appearances. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they went from protesting what happened at Kent State to ordering the kind of things that happened at Kent State. I just think that's an, an interesting thing that probably deserves its own like documentary series. Like what happened to these people? Were they always authoritarians, or, or when did they become authoritarians? When does I've uh, uh, kind were of they, bring were, it full the, circle? One of the questions is: Were they actually uh, counterculture protesters, or were they just riding the coattails? Right. Because like this, this uh, documentary on World War II, it was interesting because they made a point that once the French, once it became clear the French were going to take Paris back. Everybody joined the resistance so they could get resistance creds. Yeah, well, that's happening now yeah. with, you know, the Atlantic, the magazine, not the ocean, writing uh, <laughs> about the harms of, of masking kids in school, right? They, By the way, there's a pretty cool uh, firearms retailer, Atlantic Firearms. Just give a shout out to them. Okay. Just FYI, if you want to go check them out on the web. Anyway, sorry to derail you, but. Uh, what? Well, I think it'd be an interesting kind of study or re- research topic when does somebody become authoritarian you know spencer cox when did spencer cox decide that his ideas were so important and so good that he can have authority over me well i think it begins in the public schools i see this is this is a good debate to have too maybe at some point maybe maybe we should do a little bit of uh groundwork <laughs> prepare a little bit for some of these episodes and we, we could make them better. But uh, the public schools would be a good one to talk about mm-hmm. because the argument is we need to have public schools. But if you have public schools, then what they do is they charge you a, a mint for your property tax in Utah. That's Go look at your property tax bill. If you own a home, that's what you're mostly paying it, for. It goes up every year. Yeah. So that they can do what? So they can waste more money indoctrinating your kids into a statist philosophy. Why, why does Spencer Cox Think he, the way he thinks, well, probably because he was good in school. Probably. And, he, and he's not an independent thinker. I mean, thinker. C's get degrees, who knows? But he's definitely not an, in, an independent thinker. I don't think he's a thinker at all. Well, that's not what the schools teach. They don't teach you to think. They teach you to conform. They teach you what they want you to think. An episode for another day. Yeah. You're, you're, he's biting his tongue over there. Well, leave a, leave a comment on some topics or 
things you'd like us to talk about on the web on the website mindvirus.show uh you know the address by now but mindvirus.show let us know if there's a film or an article or a story or something you want us to break down or talk about or topics one one of the things and maybe saying it publicly is going to lock us into doing it or just leave you all disappointed or relieved if we don't do it but i want to talk about the sagebrush rebellion which is kind of known as the Sagebrush Rebellion. That's the Bundy, the Lavoie Finicum. It, that goes far and beyond just what you hear in the headlines, and it's a pretty fascinating topic because it pertains to the American West, federal government overreach, and, and kind of keeping people under the thumb of federal authority. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that would be a fun one to do at some point. When was the Maller uh, wildlife protest? Oh, it was it. What is it? What was that? Like the six, 2016 or 17, somewhere in there? It was January of 2016. So this is, uh, yeah, Lavoy Finnegan was shot on the 26th of January, 2016. Wikipedia says he was one of the American militants who staged an armed occupation of the Maller National Wildlife Refuge in January 2016. It says uh, he served as a spokesman for that group. Law enforcement officers attempted to arrest him while they were traveling on a remote highway to meet with supporters in the next county. Yeah, attempted to arrest him with a when, ambush. When Finnicum's truck was finally stopped by a roadblock, he exited the vehicle into deep snow, making two motions into his jacket and yelling for police to shoot him, which they did. Officers later found a loaded weapon in his pocket. This is all actually not true. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> right. um, Officers he, later the Oregon State <laughs> Police, put a loaded weapon in his pocket. If the Oregon State, I'll bet he was armed. But if the Oregon State Police had, hadn't, if if the Oregon State Police hadn't released the video from inside the cab, all we would have is the helicopter footage from the FBI hostage hostage rescue team. Okay, the hostage rescue team shot him. Uh, if we, if we didn't have that footage, we would not have known that they were shooting at the truck before it got to the roadblocks. So they, they were being shot at and they had a choice uh, to try to either step on it or go around or they, they dived into the snow off to the side. They didn't even ram into the roadblock, which you would think a madman right. would have done, but, uh, they were being shot at before their truck stopped. And, uh, when he got out, he was probably putting his arm down because he w- had been hit by a bullet and he also had his hands in the air he was trying to get his hands in the air but he kept putting them down probably because he was being he was taking bullets you and this is an old man too it's an str- older man it's strange if you watch no it's strange if you watch it because he's kind of dancing through the deep snow and it looks like he's he's got his hands in the air but it looks like he's th- their argument is that he keeps putting his hand down to try and egg them into shooting him but what then but why does he already have his, shooting him why does it why does he have his hands in the air is the big question anyway we we could work we could we could work through that one that's an interesting topic but it is yeah today is a perfect day to uh commemorate this the yes they were armed protesters they went and occupied and deserted wildlife out, out in the middle of nowhere to to protest <clears throat> The treatment of these uh, Oregon ranchers who were being railroaded by the federal government, and, and this, the, these the ranching were being taken. These ranch, this ranching conflict goes back decades. It's not just like these were militants who decided to, you know, run people out of a popular wildlife museum or something. Right. It's not that you know 
the the federal government didn't always own all the BLM land. People have had claims to that land for a long time. Not you know, the least of which, or not the least of which, is the American Indians who got moved around. But uh, we forget about them. We don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't but talk the, about the condition of of reservations. The problem is that it gets all grabby. Everybody's like, well, my ancestors, this and that and the other. There are people who are actually using the land and we're using the land. And then the BLM comes in and, and takes over. So, and what is it? 97% of Nevada is owned by the, uh, and controlled by the federal government. Something and, like and that. Something like and 70% of the state of Utah. Is. Yeah. So, so these are quote unquote public lands that you can't do anything with because they, they're locking them all up. So the ranchers that have longstanding genealogical links, you know, their, their well, fathers and, also and their grandfathers They also have, have legal rights there. that they've purchased and have been passed on from generation to generation for grazing and for cattle and, mm-hmm. and other ranching things right. have also been not, not uh, honored. Right. So they get jerked around by the feds. And then when push comes to shove, Lavoie Finnecum is shot. And uh, yeah, that's the, the only shots that were fired in, in that supposed violent armed takeover. Yeah, they were attempting to flee to the next county because the the sheriff up there was willing to help them. They were relying on the local law enforcement to protect them from the federal law enforcement. That was the problem. They should have protested in the the next county. And up. the feds got what they wanted. They wanted another Ruby Ridge type situation where they could shoot some crazy person and then say, "See, see what we're doing. We're protecting you from yeah. from domestic terrorists." This this is a good example of Wikipedia just being a totally statist plant type of a propaganda outlet because here, I mean, they've got so much evidence, so much non evidence here. They have a picture that they have titled. Finnicum center reaching towards his side or pocket immediately before being shot. Now, if you get if you get shot, which is what the other evidence shows, you might put your hands on the hole in your body. Well, and if you're planning on going out with guns blazing, you don't. His, act his guns like are your guns are drawn yeah. before, and you're probably shooting from the truck. Yeah, you're probably like as you approach them. using the truck as cover instead of running around acting like a right. crazy person. This is this is just. There, there's too much on the. There's obvious, self-evident problems with with what Wikipedia spends. Whoever is editing Wikipedia here has spent uh, probably a thousand words <laughs> trying to whitewash this whole thing. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, I'm going to take some time today to reconnect with the soil and soul of the state. And uh, the best news about that is other people are going to pay for that. In fact, listeners, you are going to pay for me to reconnect <laughs> with the soil and the soul of the state. Well, Spencer. Good grief. This is what, that's what we're paying for. They, they take, and that's the problem with public education. They take your money and they use it against you. And you pump out a bunch of Spencer Coxes. Yeah, and then when you complain about it, they say that you're uh, an extremist. Yeah, you, you don't. You, you what? You want someone to shoot the governor? No, I just want transparency and honesty, and uh, I don't want my money stolen from me. That's all. Pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, well, on that note, I think yeah. I'm out of thoughts. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Visit us at mindvirus.show. Drop a comment. We've got a. 
Pretty... Get some discussion going. We need some. We need some interesting uh, comic relief or something. We've also got a pretty good backlog now of episodes. Uh, we mentioned our episode on Groundhog Day. Go listen to that. We'll link it to from this episode, but that was episode thirty-eight, right? I think so. Should we do like a greatest hits list or something? Oh man! If we were to do a greatest hits, um, would that that have like sixty episodes on it? Yeah, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Probably not today's. Uh, enough of that. <laughs> no, thanks, everybody. We will talk to you again next week. We okay. are signing Have off. Have a great week.